The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. A review of Carnival Miracle this week going up to Alaska from San Francisco. Excited to hear about that one. Kind of a a longer, not your typical seven-day cruise there. Also, staff writer Richard Sims on deck with Cruise News. Jumping to him right now. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. What do you call it when you have tens of thousands of cruise passengers in one place? A record-breaking day. That's what you call it. And uh, <laughs> Port Miami just had one. They welcomed a record-breaking 67,594 passengers in a single day. This, it, it, What's kind of cool is this came only like two months after the last time they broke a record, which was when they welcomed 58,984 passengers on February 12th. So which ships helped them cross the line this time around? Well, if you happened to be a passenger on Oasis of the Seas, Explorer of the Seas, Norwegian Encore, Carnival Horizon, Carnival Celebration, MSC Seascape, Scarlet Lady, or Seabourne Ovation, well, then, if, if you were on one of those ships when they arrived on April 9th, congratulations, you win. Not that I have any prizes to hand out or anything, but you still have bragging rights and can say, hey, I was one of the people who helped break that record that day. I think the other thing you can definitely call it is proof that the industry is definitely back. I mean, that's like seven ships in port in one day. And, you know, Orlando International Airport also broke a record. I can't remember, Richard, when I brought you to the airport uh, like a year ago or so, was it a hot mess trying to fly out in Orlando? Awful. Yeah. Awful, awful, awful. It was terrible. I'm so glad you got me there super early because you were kind of you were kind of concerned that it might be. And you were completely right. It was uh, whereas when I flew out of Newark to get to Orlando, it was, you know, pretty easy breezy, mm-hmm. like, you know, 30 minutes, maybe. Uh, I think I was in the uh, security line for two and a half hours in Orlando. I was researching this story and um, so not really cruise related, but kind of. But so March 11th, um, Orlando International broke a record of 95,000 passengers in one day. Oh, my God. Which is a That's lot. Yeah. just nightmarish. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so we finally have an opening date for that brand new Nassau cruise port. That is right. After four years and $300 million, the newly revitalized Nassau will open to the public on Friday, May 26th. That's the first day that the whole new area is officially open. Uh, it's going to be host to be able to host six ships at a time, including three of Royal Caribbean's upcoming icon class. So those are the biggest ships in the world. And this port, the newly revitalized, newly redesigned dock will be able to welcome three of those plus three other ships at the same time. So if you're doing math in your head, that means they'll be able to welcome 30,000 visitors a day, which is 10,000 more than the previous capacity. And what will those 30,000 guests find? Well, 
They'll be welcomed by sort of a new modern arrivals plaza. There'll be a Junkaroo Museum. Uh, There'll be authentic uh, Bahamian shops and beverage venues and amphitheater and art gallery. Uh, and, And, this is my favorite, an organized ground transportation area. Now, that one is the one I really want to know about because I'm hoping that this means that when you get off the ship in Nassau, you will no longer have to make your way through a sea of taxi drivers, all of whom ignore the fact that you just told the person right in front of them, no, I don't want a taxi, and think that maybe perhaps they have the magic taxi that you want to get into. Uh, but you know That alone might be worth the $300,000 price tag, or $300 million, excuse me. million price tag. It's also important to remember that this is only phase one of the renovation. The next phase, which should open sometime in 2024, is going to include things like a signature restaurant and some family-friendly activities. Ultimately, what really is going to be the determining factor as to how successful this project was, was how many people get off the ship. You know, right now, a lot of people think of of Nassau as sort of a stay on the ship and enjoy, you know, your drink package kind of a port. But will, will all of these new attractions and this new revitalization, will it be enough to convince people to get off the ship and spend some money? And I think that, you know, obviously for the first few months, those first few ships that arrive, yeah, people are going to want to get off. They're going to be curious. They're going to want to see what it has to offer. What we'll be really telling is do people who, who are coming back for the second and third time, let alone like the 50th time, will they also be tempted off the ship? Well, it's a refreshing change from cruisers being offered hair braiding, horse rides, and marijuana. <laughs> you're, you're acting as if that's the, the, maybe they will still do that. They'll just be in a prettier venue. <laughs> well, one ship that won't be going to Nassau, at least not anytime soon, is Virgin's a new one. Yeah, this is the resilient lady. Um, she is starting sailing out of Greece. And this is the third ship in the fleet. So first we had Scarlet Lady, then we had Valiant Lady, now we have Resilient Lady. The next one that will be coming down the pike will be Brilliant Lady. As far as the ship itself is concerned, it's pretty much the same as what you'll find on the other two. Um, she's going to sail where she is now, and then at the end of the year, Resilient Lady will move to Melbourne, Australia. And she'll stay there until the end of March 2020, 20, uh, 2024. Uh, she's a little bit late to arrive on the scene as the ship was originally slated to start sailing in the summer of 2022. I was talking to someone recently about this ship and asking them, you know, they, they love new ships and they love sailing on new ships whenever they get a chance. And I asked if they were interested in doing this one. And they kind of said not necessarily because it's not really different from what they've already experienced having sailed on Scarlet Lady. And it really kind of is interesting to think about like when when most cruise lines when they roll out a new ship whether it's carnival rolling out you know the the, the celebration or jubilee or mardi gras or norwegian with the new prima there's always something different they always have to they they want to have something to peg the advertising on and to, you know, sort of get the media excited and say, you know, hey, look, we have a racetrack or we have a new restaurant, something. And there really isn't that with Virgin, which makes me think that maybe that's why they only, you know, they're not so concerned about having that ship sail out of this market mm-hmm. because they already have, you know, ships that have that what is on that ship in this market. Now let's go over and sail out of Greece or let's sail out of Australia where we are still a completely new product to them. 
I don't know. That's, you know, just my theory. No, I mean, I think it's exciting seeing these cruise ships actually, well, first, the market's opening back up to cruisers in Australia, and then I'd like to see one go to Asia as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, I will admit, I am I am the kind of person who, as soon as I hear about a new ship, I'm like, wait, why isn't it sailing here? You know, like, I want, I want every new ship to have to sail out of New York City for like six months. <laughs> I want that to be a law so that I have an opportunity to get on it without having to fly anywhere. But uh, what really drives me crazy is when a new ship is rolled out and it goes to, you know, a foreign market. And I'm like, no, come here. Hey, you, one day we're, I'm going to take you with me and we're going to do a sailing. I'm going to Make you do it. I know you hate flying. We're going to fly to either Asia or Australia and do a new launch one day. Ah, oh, deal. That okay. sounds like a blast. Very that good. That sounds like a total blast. And uh, a new launch, but not really for the Margaritaville at sea. Yeah. So it was just about this time last year that the Bahamas Paradise uh, cruise line morphed into Margaritaville at sea. And that the one ship in the fleet, which had been sailing as the Grand Classica, became Margarita, Margaritaville at Sea Paradise. And that's rolls trippingly off the tongue, doesn't it? You know, what ship are you sailing on? The Margaritaville at Sea Paradise. Anyway, over the past year, the ship's gotten some kind of rough reviews from passengers who suggested it needed a lot more love than it got in the makeover. You know, basically the complaint has been that that they just slapped up some Jimmy Buffett stuff and called it a new ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but – Now it's gone in dry dock for what's being called a 10-day multi-million dollar refurbishment. And when she emerges in at the beginning of June, the Paradise will feature some new venues, uh, refreshed staterooms. She'll have a dueling piano bar. There'll be two new shows in the theater. Uh, They're introducing a cheeseburger in Paradise Burger Bar. Also, spaces like the gym and the main dining room will get, you know, kind of a a fresh coat of paint and they'll look nifty. But wait, if you really want the thing that's going to make people excited, especially in Florida, it is that we'll have a pickleball tournament or a pickleball court. Mm. Uh, That's apparently all the rage now. Even Norwegian Prima, this, you know, fancy new luxury ship that Norwegian rolled out, had a pickleball court. Now – I will say that on the two ships I've sailed, which had pickleball courts, I never saw anybody on either of them. But apparently this is a big selling point somewhere. You know, I was uh, my friend Matt was doing a voiceover session here in the studio about a week ago. We went to eat at the Mexican place down the road here and it was next to a tennis court, which is now a pickleball club. And I'm like, oh, look at that pickleball. He's like, did you want to go play? I'm like, dude, I'm not coordinated. I don't think I know how to play. He's like, it is so freaking cool. I'm like, dude. You're the last person who I ever thought would even be saying that. Um, but I mean, nothing against it, but he's not athletic at all. So I thought it was cool that even like it's pickleballs reaching out to people who aren't even into sports. It definitely is. I mean, um, I, I, here in Woodstock, just uh, last weekend, they had a pickle, like learn how to play pickleball thing at the local tennis club. I was actually supposed to go, but I took a wipeout in my driveway and, and broke a couple of ribs. So I was not quite able to go play mm-hmm. pickleball, but uh, yeah, this is, this is like the hot new thing. Apparently, I guess we have to get on that trend sooner or later. One day. Yeah, for sure. So Carnival Venezia, of course, debuting in New York next month, but uh, it looks like it's going to Florida. They're walking, are they walking that year round announcement back a little bit? Well, you know, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. When when they talk about a ship's being homeported somewhere, rarely is it homeported there for the rest of its life. In this case, the Venezia is going to be sailing year-round out of New York City 
until the end of 2024. So that's quite a ways away, really. Um, the ship will basically then do what a lot of northern folks do and head to Florida for the winter. So at the end of December 2024, Venezia will start sailing out of Port Canaveral, where she's going to do a pretty wide variety of itineraries, including two 14-day carnival journeys trips that'll go to the Southern Caribbean. At some point in 2025, the ship will return to New York. No word exactly when yet, because they haven't, like, the, the, the that far in advance, it's not even showing up on for bookings. You can you can book the early part of 2025, you know, when they've announced where it's going to be in, in Port Canaveral. But the second half of the year, they haven't quite announced what's going to happen. There's also no word yet on whether Carnival will move another ship to the New York City market while Venezia is wintering in you know, down in down in Florida. I'm going to guess no. I mean, even the fact that they have put the ship here for as long as it's going to be here is kind of surprising because Carnival has typically only done, you know, summers and maybe the early part of fall, they'll do some, some leaf peeper tours out of Manhattan. This is the longest they've really had a ship here in for as long as I can remember, and I've been living here for like 15 years. So we'll have to see what they decide to do. I kind of feel as if this first year that they're putting the ship here is almost an experiment. Like, you know, mm -hmm. can we can we get people sailing out of New York, despite the fact that it's not necessarily a ship built for cold weather in cold weather period. Listener question from Mark this week. Email your questions, Doug at cruiseradio.net. Mark wants to know, can I get my passport stamped in Nassau? Can you? Yes. Do you need to? No. Um, it is not required to have a passport to enter uh, to enter Nassau, but there is a place right off you get get right after you get off the ship, and well, we'll have to see where it is in the new in the new and improved Nassau. But once you get off the ship, there's a place right there where the customs agent will stamp your passport. It's really more of a novelty than anywhere else. You know, some people like to get their passport stamped wherever they go. I mean, you know, as a kid, I used to wander around Epcot getting my my little fake passport stamped in all the countries. So why not pick up a stamp from Nassau? It looks good in your little collection, but yeah. you don't need it. It's not necessary, but you know, why not? All right. Staff writer, Richard Sims, man. I hope you're feeling better with those ribs and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. Do you have a story or a tip to report? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at cruise radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Just back from a cruise? Let's talk about it. Email Doug at cruiseradio.net. So Terrell just returned from a 10-night cruise aboard Carnival Miracle out of San Francisco up to Alaska and back. 
and he joins us on the line to talk all about it. How you doing, my friend? Doing great. Can't wait to hear about this one because uh, it's not often you hear of someone, at least on cruise radio, who's embarking out of California, going to Alaska and back. So before we get to the ship, I want to take a step back. What made you want to take this 10-nighter out of San Francisco on Miracle? Well, originally was going to go out of Seattle, do the seven-day, but then COVID happened. Then that got scrapped. So my family, with us coming from the, I'm originally from the West Coast, but I live in Ohio. And I have family that we cruise with that lives in Florida. They all have themselves out of the West Coast. So we said, hey, let's go out of San Francisco. And it's a 10-dayer, so that's how that happened. Very cool. Now, you're over in Ohio. You made your way out to San Francisco. Any pre-cruise time around there? Yeah, we always fly out early, and we went during the 4th of July, so we uh, left because we didn't want to be flying on the 4th, so we all flew in on the 3rd, that Sunday, and sailing out was on the 5th. Very good. Did you check out any like local sites or anything? I know you sailed under the bridge leaving, but what do they have? The chocolate factory over there in San Francisco or anything like that? Alcatraz is right there. We stayed at the hotel right down by Fisherman's Wharf, and Alcatraz was straight out. So yeah, the Golden Gate Bridge would be to the left. We saw Alcatraz, and we walked that long pier area, did a day of that on the 4th, which was quite an adventure. Pretty nice. People will enjoy that. Very cool. You make your way to the pier to embark Carnival Miracle. How was the embarkation process for y'all? Here is the only bad part. For people who are used to cruising, and since this is with Carnival, this pier, which is Pier 27, they're not used to handling cruises. And it was very obvious because, you know, we had the Verify app that we were told to do and have the American and do all the digital stuff to make it go fast. And it was non-existent. You had to pull out your paperwork. Luckily, we had our paperwork because they were not doing the Verify. It was chaotic to say the least because they aren't used to handling it. So if people that are used to cruising out of Florida or even down in Los Angeles, you're going to be very upset, <laughs> to say the least. So how long did it take you to get from the curb to the ship? From the curb to the ship, it took 45 minutes. Once we were waiting in the line, we had the first getting on at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So the 10 to 10.30, which we didn't start boarding until 10.45. Once we went through the five different checkpoints to get in, Then we were able to get in, which we were probably on the ship then at about 11.30. Gotcha. Now, with the chaos behind you, it's 11.30, you're on board the ship. What were your first impressions of Miracle? Been on the Miracle. This is our third time on it, Mm -hmm. so we're used to it. That class of ship is very, very appealing. People getting used to the the artwork and the decor that, that they have on it. It's fun just watching people who that was their first time being on it. It was pretty hilarious. Yeah, because that's the ship that has, it's like an Alice in Wonderland themed lounge up front, right? And then in the back, it's got the Frankenstein disco, if I'm not mistaken, with a big like 12 foot. Yeah. (laughs) Giant Frankenstein right past the uh, Alchemy Bar. Yeah, that ship was actually christened here in Jacksonville, right down the road here from my studio uh, back in 2004. And that was like one of the first Mm -hmm. things I remember was seeing that giant Frankenstein in the disco. It was pretty crazy. 
Massive. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw it, it was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, what the heck? <laughs> the only thing I could think of is like after having a few drinks, someone turning around and seeing that and it probably scaring the crap out of them, you know? Very much so. <laughs> yeah. So let's see, you go to your stateroom. Now, this was a, a family cruise, so I'm sure y'all were spread all out on board the ship. But for your stateroom, what stateroom did you book and how was it during your 10 nights? Since this is going to Alaska, we had to have a balcony. So my wife and I were in our balcony room, and then my brother and sister-in-law had the adjoining balcony, so they were right next door. Nice. And as far as, like, um, outlet, space, the size of the balcony, what were your impressions? The balcony, it was all right. It, it could just fit two people. And as far as the uh, outlets, or, or let me double back. For opening, if you have an adjoining one, you have to go down to guest services and have them get the key and send up maintenance to open that up. So once we did that request, we were able to open up the area to make the balcony bigger. They swung the gate open, and we could access that full balcony, so that made it a little bit bigger. The only downsides with that is that once they open that up, you lose sight of viewing from whichever side that that gate is open, so that just messes it up. But since we're all together, we were we were able to make do with it, but you just get used to that, that once they open that up, you'll lose half of that balcony view for when the gate is open. As far as the outlets, we had to, since I have a CPAP machine, I had them give me an extension cord. only have one outlet in the room with the extension cord. So if you bring a USB and make an attachment, uh, that's what we use to uh, make everything work to do all our phones and, and cameras and whatnot. Gotcha. The outlets, as far as that, it was limited, but the rest of the room was nice, typical, nice shower because I'm six foot four. I'm a big guy. So uh, I was able to move around very comfortable in the uh, bathroom. There was no issues. Closet space was fine for us. Very good. I'm trying to picture in my mind here. You said when you open up the divider between the two balconies, you lose partial viewing. So I guess I'm maybe seeing this wrong, but I always thought those balcony doors swung back towards the cabin and rest on that wall by the door. Is it not like that? No, it swings out to the balcony. Okay. So it, it will be up against the railing. Okay. So once it opens, it will go towards the water. Gotcha. All right. So let's talk about the dining on board Carnival Miracle. How was the Lido deck buffet area for your 10 night cruise? The buffet area was great. You know, you got guys, our my tradition and our, our tradition when we get on is we go to guys, get our guys burger and get our drink from the bar, sit there and, and do that. The deli Chinese restaurant was really a big hit with everybody. It was always a line there. And I didn't for this is the second cruise in a row that I didn't get pizza. Wow. We did a little Thanksgiving cruise and didn't do it. And you know, it's like, wait a minute, we didn't have pizza. So that's the only thing that I didn't do. Any reason why you didn't do that? I pretty much had my guy's burger, which I have to make my little special burger, uh-huh. and then did the Chinese. And we pretty much, I guess, I don't know, we did the sea brunch every day. And so with that and just, you know, we had the early dining at 530. So I think maybe that might have been the reason because this is a different thing from Caribbean cruising mm-hmm. in terms of how you eat. 
as far as I've felt. Yeah, well, and after that special guy's burger and the brunch and everything, there's probably no room left in your stomach either if you want to have dinner at 530. <laughs> well, yeah, I love guys, and I always get the uh, pastrami burger when I'm in Vegas. Yeah. So I always make that when I'm on the ship, and people always like, wait a minute, where did you get that, that burger from? Because <laughs> they see, you know, I'm walking around, I go to the deli, I get my plate of pastrami and cheese, and then I get my, my guy's burger. And then I just put them together, and I got my uh, pastrami guy's burger, and that's that's my thing. You get a lot of looks, and people are taking pictures of it. That's awesome. <laughs> they want to take, they're like, that looks awesome. It's yeah. like, uh, what can I get that? I'm like, hey, if you go make it. Right. <laughs> that's really cool. So you mentioned that you had early dining uh, in the main dining room. How was your experience throughout the voyage, and also... As far as staffing, were there any like issues with it being a little too slow, or did things move at a good pace for you? Our uh, server, Maddie, he was awesome. He got us our food fast. We were in and out because we usually we always do early dining so that we can go to the shows. So that way we get to the whatever shows in the main room or comedy because I love going to all of the comedy shows. So let's eat and then get everything else out the way. What was your favorite meal throughout the 10 nights? My favorite meal, of course, formal night for the lobster, which you get two of those. And we also, for the steakhouse on the first night, we always go to the steakhouse because you get the free bottle of wine and you don't have to dress up. So that's just a little thing that most people don't know, that you don't have to dress up on the first night of the cruise if you go to the steakhouse and they give you a free bottle of wine. So that's our ritual for that. How was the steakhouse quality this trip? It was very good. There was no drop-off. This one isn't like the rest of them because, you know, the other ones are the Fahrenheit. And this one, I, f- I forget the name. It's, it's two names for the steakhouse on here. But it was pretty much the same as always, though. And it was very good. You can't beat the like the whole experience on those spirit class ships, too, because like the steakhouse is basically in the funnel. Right. And then, you you know, you look out, you still had a good view because we were, when we were sailing out, you were seeing some whales off when we were in this, in there, or it's mixing up, that was another time when we saw, but I was in the steakhouse and you could see the, the whales are out there jumping and we were just laughing at the whole thing because the three of us saw it and my wife could never see it because she had the bad angle. So she never saw the whales <laughs> jumping out and the, everybody else at our table did. It's called Nick and Nora's, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there it is. Yep. That's the name of it. All right. Well, very good. Let's talk about the entertainment on this 10-night cruise. How was it for y'all? I thought the entertainment was good. They had a wide variety of entertainment throughout the ship. You had three people on the violin. You had people playing acapella on the guitar. The piano bar was pretty busy, and uh, they just had some really good singers that were pretty amazing. It was it was a really enjoyable for the uh, entertainment for being on there. And like I said, the the comedians they had some really great comedians on the ship that it was packed. Even at the adult, uh, excuse me, at the kids shows, there was a waiting line because what they usually what I liked about this one is. Usually they'll clear you out after the show and then you have to get in the line and whatnot. This time they just ran the shows back to back. So once the adult show started, 
they bring on the next comedian and you didn't have to worry about that whole rushing out and getting back in to get a seat. I like to sit in the front anyway, so mm. it was no problem for me. Did you catch any of the production shows in the main theater? Yes, they had a great soul show that they did. They did a beach show also, and then they did an 80s show that was awesome. It was really it was it was really good. Love 80s music, so everybody is just dancing, singing. They encourage people to to sing along and whatnot with it. So it was really fun. And of course, they don't have the uh, live bands anymore, so it is taped. And but that really didn't take away from it. Did you spend any time in the piano bar? No, didn't spend any time in the piano bar. Just just walked by there and saw that you know it was pretty active. On the miracle, I know that Carnival was in the process of doing this before the shutdown, where they were taking out the chapel and expanding the arcade. Does the miracle still have the chapel, or is is it basically a big arcade now? I saw the arcade, so I didn't remember the uh, chapel. I didn't see that, and then I know the game room. To me, because it's right there, they do all the trivia because it's right up there by the Alice in Wonderland Theater. Mm-hmm. They have the game room, which that was always packed. Well, let's talk about the ship during um, sea days. Now, did you find out how many people were on board your ship during your sailing or what the capacity was at? We were over capacity because they say that the ship holds 2,100 and they said that there were 2,200 passengers on. So there were a lot of kids, surprisingly on this cruise and just a funny tidbit there was we were sitting at the diamond and platinum and there was a nine-year-old girl who was the youngest diamond (laughs) this was her diamond cruise and she's nine years old (laughs) people were just like what the heck it's like you're nine years old and you're already diamond (laughs) wow so it was pretty amazing Took me 20 years to get platinum. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, yeah, I won't be platinum until my next cruise, uh, our Christmas cruise. I'll be the only one that's not platinum. Oh, nice. I was going to say, too, just because you said you were over capacity, and I know I did a segment on one of the local news stations here, and the Carnival Elation that sails out of Jacksonville, it constantly sails out of here at over 100%, normally 106%. So 100%. Uh, for those listening who may not be familiar with it, 100% is based on double occupancy. So when you – two people in every stateroom is double occupancy. But when you start filling in a third and fourth, that's what puts it over 100%. So I got roasted in the comments from local viewers around here saying that I didn't know what I was talking about. It's impossible for a ship to be over 100% occupancy, but that's how they do it. Yeah, they even mentioned that, been talking about that probably about like the past month. And I even think you talked about on the show and explain that to people on how that you get that by having three and four people in the room. That's where that number comes from. So those people, they just need to listen better because you did cover it before. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then uh, as far as the sea days then, over capacity, how were the the crowd of congestion around the, the dining and the pool? And of course, you have that really nice serenity area in the back too. Serenity is where we were at, like for the debarkation. When we took all our pictures and everything, we were dead center in the back of Serenity, and it was awesome. It wasn't too overly crowded. I guess a lot of people didn't know, you know, where to go and whatnot. So we were there, made sure people were nice, that 
everybody got to do their photo ops to take, you know, the pictures under Golden Gate. And when we pass Alcatraz, like I said, then you were closer that way. The sea days, to say that we were over capacity, you never really noticed it. It was it was really good because you had people that were under the swimming pool that had the cover top. So you had a lot of the kids who were back there in that area. And then, you know, Serenity is for the grown Grown-ups, you had a couple of people that brought kids in at Serenity, but security was them out of there pretty fast. To say that we were over capacity, the ship handled it really well. And plus, I think there's something to be said, too, about these Spirit-class ships where there's those lower decks, so two and three, they're almost like two separate promenades. Each of them has like their own area. So normally on a ship, like if you're on deck five or deck nine, which would be the promenade, it's really just one hallway you can walk down, but this one feels more open. And not only that, there's actually two of them there and a really, really big atrium as well. That atrium is just, it's, it's massive. And with the bar down there, with the music, it's expansive. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about the ports of call on this 10-night cruise. So what we'll do here is give us the first port and then a highlight, and then we'll move to the next one. Well, the first port was Juno. We got there. We did a excursion to go well watching the course that was really exciting we did that and got to see our our first real real up close nature with the whales and the sea lions and everything is just breathtaking views it really takes your breath away it, it does to be in the beauty of alaska so that's what we did for that one and had a uh went on a salmon bake after that which was amazing (laughs) to say the least we all loved it and then they whisked us back to the port and then we got back on the ship very cool and your next port skagway and i know you have been talking about the issues going on with skagway we were able to debark there there was no tendering involved and we walked through the town and everything took that in really nice quaint little town did the little sights there and everything, and then was back on the ship. Very cool. After Skagway? We had Icy Strait Point, uh, which we did another whale excursion and bear sightseeing. That was really nice to learn about the different cultures there that go on. And with my wife being an educator, they had asked how many people did they think was in the school because they said that the graduating class this year had five students in it. And she oh. guessed exactly saying yeah, the school probably has about a hundred. And that was exactly right. They have a hundred kids totally in their school system with five graduating. Wow. So it was pretty amazing. With Icy Straight Point, which dock did y'all dock at? The one that's closest to, I guess, the complex where the excursions are and all that, or down at the further end? Yeah, it was the closest one. And then we walked in there, the dock on the other end that they're working on, on that far point, they're working on that one. So it was, we watched it being built when we took the uh, tram ride to the other end. Mm -hmm. You could see that they were working on that one. Is that aerial tram, is that free? Yes, it's free to go from that main dock where the excursions are. But then once you want to go up to zip line and everything, that's the one that you got to pay for. Gotcha. And 
I said, bless you to all those people that did that zip lining. We watched that. That is a pretty steep drop. <laughs> I did it right before really? the shutdown. You get some serious speed, man. Like you get some, you're flying. I've done zip lines all over the Caribbean and I've never mm-hmm. have gone that fast before. Even Royal Caribbean's Dragon Flight at Labadee. And that's a pretty fast one. This one, you were screaming. And I had my GoPro on on my head and you couldn't hear a dang thing except just a wind flying by you. As we watching the people come down, I'm going, there is no way in the world because I'm, I'm over 300 pounds. So I'm like, no, gravity would, uh-uh. There, there's no way in the world, even if they said I could get on that, as fast as it was coming down and the way it sounded, I'm like, mm, you could just call me chicken. I'm not going to do that. But it looked fun, though. Well, there's also something uneasy about the sound, too, the zzz- that you know that's the whole thing you hear as people are going yeah. down it the whining and screeching of it yeah it's like oh gosh just one pop away from death but anyway um, after after icy straight point uh, did you have any other ports the one that was looking forward to was the first excursion which was going to see the glacier mm-hmm. at uh tracy arm ford and that got canceled because of fog got up at 6 30 in the morning to go on this excursion and as they walking to get there, they're shaking their head saying, sorry. And I was like, Oh, that's the reason that was the first thing. And <laughs> wanted to go see the glacier and have a glacier Rita and it couldn't happen. So we had an extra sea day Man, to come a, back to Victoria. That's such a bummer too. Was this your first time to Alaska? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was looking forward to that, and it was just like, I guess I got to come back again. <laughs> yeah, I think there's probably like a probably a sixty percent success rate with that glacier because I've I've been on around a dozen, I think, and I uh, I know a little little over half have had fog issues, and we couldn't get in there. Which I guess is like, if you can't see, there's no reason why you're going in there anyway, right? Right, but here here's the crazy thing. So I'm I'm in the group, the, the carnival group up there, and the the ship that left on the 15th, they went, they did the excursion. They kind of did a reverse. They went straight there. They had a whole wall drop down, and just looking at the video of it, and I'm like, you're kidding me. Oh. And then as that wall dropped, you see this giant iceberg start rising out of the water. It looks so sweet. And it was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Dang. I'm like, ah, so I was very envious of that second <laughs> the I, group that went out after us. Those Facebook groups are awesome though, because people post the most random stuff during the cruise. Like has anyone heard when the t-shirt three for five sale is I've looked everywhere. I can't find it or, Oh my gosh, don't go to the atrium bar. He ripped me off with the, Poor, like it's all kind of. I love just. I never posted them, but I'm, I always join the groups, and I love just. I guess we'll call it people watching in the groups. Oh uh, yeah, and we had a big thing happen on ours. A person wanted to give extra gifts for kids. It's like, hey, if somebody has kids and I have them, can I give? Uh, can I find out how many it is so I can bring a present for each one? Well, the administrator of the site went off on her for wanting to do that. And she kicked her out. She oh kicked God. her out the group. <laughs> oh, for I love wanting it. to generous and give a present to each of the kids instead of one per room. 
And so <laughs> that became a big deal because we were we were at the Alchemy Bar and we ran into the lady who got kicked out. <laughs> and we got to talking and became friends on the cruise being at the Alchemy Bar. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and yes, the lady, she became a little tiring because she was the administrator over that. Parts that people were upset about was that for the mixology classes that they don't offer that you only know about if you know about it. Well, this was our fourth one and we told some people about it and we always like to do it because every class has been different that we've taken. Mm -hmm. So we talk to the, the people on day one, we establish at the, we go to the main bar in the atrium, say, Hey, who's from the alchemy? It's like, okay, we're going to be friends because we're going to be there. And asked about the class, then talked to the people. And so there was the four of us. And then we had, I think it was 10 people in the class. And so we're sitting there and people are walking by because they're used to seeing us at the Alchemy Bar. And they're like ordering drinks and like, no, we're closed. <laughs> and they're it's like, no, you can't be. You got all these people. They're here all the time. It's like, it's a class. So then you have to turn around and tell them it's a private function. Right. And they're like... We didn't know about it. <laughs> it's like it's top secret. Wink, wink. <laughs> exactly. So let's see. You you missed you missed the glacier. Was there anything after the glacier? No. After the glacier, you know, we just went to Victoria to do the the little stop in Canada. Uh-huh. Getting off there and going down to their little wharf area that was beautiful. We went and looked at the boat houses that they have, and just that little area is just so amazing. Seeing the the uh, planes fly in. And they do the little loop around the city and come back. And I'm like, well, if that's all that you would pay for for that, I'm like, I wouldn't do that. I'm quite sure it looks pretty, but you literally go fly out, do a circle and come back. And that's it. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. you know, I'll just stay here. It, it was right. nice. though. Victoria is a beautiful little town. So you make your way back to San Francisco. How was your debark process? Debarkation was... I would say it was okay. They had a little snafu for getting off. And then once you get through, they wind you around. And it was a big circle. People were cutting and getting testy. But then once you get down and get to your luggage, uh, it was fine. Overall, the Uber, for when people were trying to get in and out, I would tell them to make sure that they set up their rideshare program, however they're going to do it, it really is advantageous to do that. Because one thing that we ran into when we first arrived is that some of the drivers don't like going from the airport into downtown San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So what they'll do is they'll pick up your ride and then you'll see them coming and then they'll stop and they'll sit there and they'll be, you'll see that they're three minutes away or two minutes away and they never come. And they want you to drop it off so that they can stay in the queue for at the airport. Because if they have to do it, then that's going to boot them out. So our initial wait at the airport was 45 minutes because of that. It wasn't enjoyable. But getting out, we ended up, because our flight got canceled, we were on Southwest. And all the flights for Southwest got canceled that day. Luckily, had tripinsurance.com, uh, <laughs> and so we're in the process for doing that, so that took care of that part for it, so 
put the claim in to see about that. So once we found that out, it was like, hey, call the Ryu back up and say, hey, uh, you got a room? And we went right back to where we had started this adventure. Now, you're in California. I know you like burgers. Did you do the In-N-Out at all? No, I've eaten In-N-Out, so I, I'm familiar with it. Okay. So I, we were seafooding it. So okay. we oh, were yeah. at Pier 39 at the Crab House. So we did we basically getting the clam chowder. That's what I lived off of when their, their clam chowder was amazing. Had the crabs and uh, the shrimp there at Pier 39. Are you a king crab fan at all? I don't like the mess. No? If I don't <laughs> to break it apart and do it, mm-hmm. I'd be one of those people like, hey, you do all the work for me, I'll eat it that way. If not, I'm fine. Okay, that's uh, fair. I just I can't deal with that mess. Now, give me a lobster, I'll tear that up right. in a heartbeat. But that crab, uh, no, too much work for me. It's an investment for sure. <laughs> for a, a big investment for not a lot of meat. Yeah, when well, those people were getting the Dungeness crabs when they were coming out, and you know everybody was going on, I'm like, okay, you notice they got that bib on? They're going to do some work <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> to get that meat out. Yeah, it is a uh, it is a big. I guess it'd be a financial investment too these days with the price of a uh, crab. Um, so let's see here. What kind of first time tips would you offer someone who's either taking their first Alaska cruise or sailing Carnival Miracle? All right, I would tell them to look at the groups, look at the ship, learn uh, everything about it. If there's an excursion or something you want to do, do it early because they fill up fast, especially with this being Alaska. Ten days did not seem like you were saying, oh, I can't wait to get off the ship. When you had a sea day, the sea days were amazing. You had the sea day brunch. I would tell people, make sure to go do the sea day brunches. They are so amazing. You're in the MDR, the main dining room, and the food was great. The service was great. Nice views. And it's just relaxed. You get on the app. They'll ring you and tell you, hey, your table's ready. And you're you're good to go. How was the, I forgot to ask you, the casino when you're walking through there as far as smoke (laughs) in and around it? Yeah, I was was waiting for that one. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. I'm allergic to smoke, so I was hoping that it would be the way the other ships are with not smoking. No, it was horrible. Um, Just did not like it. I couldn't take it. I tried to do it. And even when I was in there for the little gambling that I had did over the several days with the smoking, I couldn't even get a drink. I never got a drink the whole time. I watched people getting drinks around me. I'm like, okay, I can't get a drink. I'm like, fine, forget it. I'll just go to the alchemy bar. <laughs> it just, but that smoke, it's really bad. So I, I wish that they would go back and, and talking to some other people. They also said the same thing because you have to walk through the casino to get to the, the main showroom and there's no getting around it. So that's the big drawback I had that the embarkation and the casino, those are the big negatives for me. What was the biggest highlight of this cruise? Just being in Alaska. It was so, so beautiful. And just to see the whales and just to experience that it was, it was just awesome. I sat there on the balcony you go by and you see waterfalls and just seeing and hearing the nature that is Alaska. It's just beautiful. I don't know how to say anything other than just it's a bucket list thing. 
make sure you go do it. It's everything that you hear people say about it. Just seeing the bald eagles, learning about them, seeing them fly out, seeing the cat and mouse game between the seals and the killer whales, the orcas <laughs> was funny to say the least because they had a, a one seal there at, at Icy Strait that had been there for two weeks because it knew that the orcas were right out there <laughs> waiting for it to come out. <laughs> and so uh, you'd see that fin, and we even had a funny situation happen while we were out whale watching where it was a scene straight out of Jaws. He had this, you see the dorsal fin of this orca, which is six feet out the water, coming straight at our boat at 12 o'clock, and then you just see it drop and go underneath us. It was just like Jaws. It was, it was so amazing. It was, it was beautiful. Nice. Very cool. Well, in closing here, your final thoughts of Carnival Miracle. Great ship, great crew. Even though we were over capacity, it did not feel like it at all. The fun staff was great. The Alchemy Bar is top-notch. I would just tell everybody, make sure that you're on vacation, but they're working. Make sure to tip them. If they deserve a tip, give them a tip. Don't uh, go through that whole little game that some people do. They're working hard. Our room steward, she was amazing. Every question or request that we had, she made sure that it was taken care of. And she even saw something that I had just caught it. There was a light out in our room, and I had looked at it and told my wife, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to say something. There was a knock at the door, and the guy came and said, yeah, I'm here to uh, fix your light. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> is, is there really a camera? Is, is, is somebody under the bed? How the heck? Wow. So it was great. Very good. We've been talking with Terrell about his 10-night cruise to Alaska out of San Francisco on board Carnival Miracle. Terrell, thank you so much for sharing this experience, my friend. Welcome home, and I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you, Doug. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.